Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I'm your host, Gemma, and I am joined by my lovely colleague, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Hi, Gemma. I'm very good. Thank you. Jolly good. Glad to hear that. Today's episode is all about decarbonisation. So we've got an interview with one of our colleagues and we're going to be having a chat about the recent APPG on decarbonisation. So we'll get straight into it. From Peter Cole, who's our Principal Environmental and Sustainability Officer, a bit later on in the episode. Uh, but first, let's have a look at the um, APPG that took place just a couple of days ago, Stephen. That was the APPG for net zero, wasn't it? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. Yes, I think uh, so. They launched uh, a report that was basically looking at, as you can imagine, onto into uh, net zero. So it was launched by uh, Lord Debden, who from the Committee on Climate Change, and uh, the chair Alex Sabell, who's the, the chair of the group, and obviously a, a Northern MP as well from from Leeds North West. And there are a couple of other speakers in there as well. Um, and essentially features a ten point action plan. Um, so it's looking at basically how how do you deliver net zero is probably <laughs> probably the main the main thrust of it as you would expect. So I think it's looking, um, you know, there's, there's different aspects to it. You know, there's things like hydrogen, there's pro, uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, there's COVID-19 green recovery, which, you know, I would expect, you know, kind of fits in with the with the building back better narrative that we've seen. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's quite a quite a compre- comprehensive report. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's kind of one of those where I think everybody's just trying to kind of encourage this the whole net zero in the same direction at the moment and you know one of the one of the recommendations was to kind of establish strategic communications and civic engagement program from that group and i think there's quite a lot of angles i think we we, we did our appg or the transport across the north appg as well and you know that there was a consensus there that particularly from northern transport perspective it's about you know getting that message across about what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go and i think there's quite a lot of people entering the same kind of space area and sometimes that i think for the public can can be a bit confusing so i think even though people ultimately know where we want to go there is some confusion about how we get there so i think but you know it's one of those things that the more people are getting involved and the more people that are driving that agenda forward you would hope that that kind of like clearer approach will yeah. will 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 come about from it i think that's a really um good point because yeah on the one hand everybody's talking about decarbonization and it can because it's a super important topic and we really need to be acting now if we if we leave it any any later then situation's only going to get worse it's only going to get more and more difficult to come back from i think the point is that you know everybody is talking about it because it is important and all areas of you know society economy business transport individuals freight logistics leisure you know every person and every sort of sector needs to be taking the actions that they can do and that is why everybody's talking about it and why we're hearing everybody developing um decarb strategies and plans and hosting these things like appgs and launching action plans and reports um we'll talk a little bit more in our interview with peter later on in the episode as he's going to um give you the lowdown on the tfn decarb work specifically and um, but let's just touch on, Stephen, um, D 
decarbonizing transport and again i know this is part mm. of what was um, discussed in the net zero appg this week and of course decarbonizing transport is our particular area of focus why is that so important in the in the grand scheme of decarbonization as a as a general driver why is decarbonizing our our transport network so important well, I think I think even though people see it as obviously net zero, and you know at the minute it's set by, but you know to to, to reach by twenty fifty. But I think it's the reason why it's so important is because a lot of the decisions that are being made now, particularly over the next ten years, will essentially determine where we are in twenty fifty. So I think that's why we see so much urgency. And then obviously when you angle that in with the northern perspective, so you know we're talking about recovering from decades of underinvestment that we're trying to push for particular schemes. We've highlighted a lot in, in the economic recovery plan that we've submitted. So it's about marrying those two things together. You know, so we, we could probably push ahead with a lot of the schemes that, you know, we want to do to try and get the North back up from, from an economic perspective and get the connections and the journeys that we want to put in. But if we're going to make sure that they fit in with decarbonisation and net zero, that, that's a huge challenge, you know, to try and balance those two things correctly. But it's something that our board are very keen that, that, that we do. Um, you know, we're in the process of developing um, uh, a decarbonisation strategy, which I know, like I said, Pete, Peter will touch on. Um, we submitted um, a report uh, or some evidence to the Department of Transport's call for, for decarbonisation transport, setting the challenge, which again, I don't know, Peter will touch on. But it's 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 going to be an interesting space because it's going to take, like I said, the, the decisions that are being made now will have a huge impact in the future and it's and it's such a kind of a, a gray area really because we're still looking at emerging technology and you know, hydrogen and electric are, are really important but there's about which 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 technology would work for the right mode of transport whether that be trains or like you say freight that you mentioned before is a particular interest um you know there's 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 so much pressure to do something uh that we're pushing you know that we need to make sure that we 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 get it right you know if mm. that makes sense so so it's it's, a, it's an absolutely huge challenge um and you know we we co-opted um the committee on climate change um professor pierce foster is is a member of our partnership board now um so he's he's had uh you know that that was a call from our board to make sure that we're you know, we've got some kind of um, somebody there to look at our work as it's going through and it's being developed, you know, to challenge us and, and make sure that we're, we're along the right lines as we move forward. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the um, statistics and ambitions, I guess, around decarbonisation of um, transport. So transport is actually now the biggest with uh, responsible for 34% of CO2 in 2019. So there's absolutely no doubt that we need to act to to decarbonize the transport network and we need to do that now um, and and you know not only to to do it but to do it at pace to quote the um the latest buzz buzz phrase um mm. you know and we've got to be looking towards things like electric vehicles again you know looking at how do we grow use of electric vehicles um and other alternative fuels as well, you know, obviously hydrogen, um, hydrogen trials um, and sort of activities and research, particularly going on in the in the northeast. They're also obviously trialing e-scooters as well up there, which is um, really interesting. Um, and as you, you know, we've we've mentioned as well, uh, shipping, freight, sticks, heavy goods vehicles, again, a massive opportunity there to make a big mm. impact 
on on reducing carbon emissions from that sector and again projects such as um, HS2 and NPR plus you know road mm. transpennine improvements are going to be really important for that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think another aspect is that I know we, we we try not to talk about it too, too much because uh, I think everybody's a bit bit sick of it. But the COVID nineteen impact is going to make a difference because obviously when we're looking at uh, you know the case for transport, a lot of people have moved off public mm-hmm. transport and gone on to um, you know gone back into their cars. And I think mm-hmm. the stats that are coming out, uh, so our transport focus do do quite a lot of work on this, and they're saying that you know that a lot of the people who use public transport feel safe on there, but the people that aren't using it would be wary of using it. Um, yeah. So I think there's a big challenge in getting people back onto to public transport, because I think if, if, if we're really going to make um, make a huge dent in it, then we, we do need to get people out of out of the cars and, and onto public transport and using Absolutely. the trains and the buses. So it does it does fit into you know our overall our overall desire for for what we want from the transport network. You know that that is what we want to do anywhere. Mm. But but you know it is a difficult one because if there are fewer passengers on the train, then we have an issue with uh, making the case for 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 stronger investment for more investment. Mm. So, mm. so if there are fewer people using them, so that's so it's, it's it, it you know there is going to be a lot of work that we're probably going to have to do to really encourage people to use public transport mm-hmm. um, and get back on there. As as with everything we do, um, and particularly the impact of COVID and the changes that that's had on our working and, and travel behaviours, it's about finding a balance, isn't it? Because you're absolutely right. Everybody stopped going on the the trains and the buses to go into work. But the last thing we need is for them when they do return to to offices and other sort of city centre based workplaces in particular the last thing we need is for everybody to jump in the car and drive themselves there individually rather than going back on the train so you're right that's absolutely um absolutely crucial and the other thing with regards to uh the impact of COVID-19 that hadn't occurred to me at all and it's something that Peter mentions that you'll uh hear in the interview in a bit um is about well that's um the the impact of our individual sort of heating and lighting patterns now in terms of you know we're no longer hundreds of people in one office and that's very energy efficient to heat and light and and sort of drive that space we're now doing it in individual homes and the the losses of sort of efficiency there and how can we sort of mitigate or or offset that kind of impact so it's a really interesting um challenge but also with with plenty of opportunities as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't think anybody's underestimating the, the challenge. I think everybody knows <laughs> how big how big this one is. I don't think we need we we need to convince anybody of that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be transport. Like you say, is going to play a big part. But as you just pointed out, then like it's so much broader than than just transport. Uh, it's a, it's a huge challenge that we've all got to do our bit on. Mm. Absolutely. Well, talking of everybody, do our bit and. Um, Talking of uh, how Transport for the North is acting on the, obviously, the transport impact in particular. Um, let's have a listen to our interview with Peter Cole now. So Peter joined TFN ooh, fairly recently, although probably not as recently as I um, think. Time is certainly flying in lockdown v2 um peter is our principal environmental and sustainability officer so he's very much leading on our decarbonization work within the strategy team so i sat down with him recently 
to have a chat about all things decarbonisation. So he's going to let us know about the um, the need for decarbonising transport, which we've touched on, and Peter goes into a little bit more detail about that. We also have a look at the targets, and, and he updates us on what is happening in terms of the, the TFN decarbonisation strategy. And how we're working with partners to to develop and, and and look at that. So with our local transport authorities and with organisations such as Decarbonate. And as I've mentioned, uh, he's also got a few top tips for us all to take on board to help reduce our own carbon emissions, uh, particularly with working from home. Um, and he's also got a great idea for your Christmas wish list as well. So uh, yeah, here's our interview with Peter. Hi Peter, how are you today? Hi, Gemma. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is your first time on the TFN podcast. So welcome. And to kick us off, Peter, just tell us a little bit about your career background in the sort of environment and decarb arena and a bit about your role here at Transport for the North. Sure. So, um, well, I'm an environmental and uh, sustainability professional or otherwise known as an environmentalist um and i've got about about 17 years of experience now and that's uh mainly within consultancy but also uh public sector experience and and predominantly in the transport field um and at tfn i'm I'm sitting within the the strategy team and the role is uh around developing and in the future implementing uh, TFN's environmental and sustainability policy. Um, so what that, I guess, effectively means is that I'm making sure that the plans and programmes that we promote satisfy all the legislative requirements in that area. Um, but perhaps more importantly, that we we exceed the what is required and we strive um, for the region to be a leader when it comes to, to developing a sustainable surface transport system. So it's a fairly broad remit. Um, Actually, Gemma, and uh, but uh, across across environmental assessment and sustainability, but I think the clear focus in the short term is around decarbonisation. Why is it so important to decarbonise our transport systems? And that's a big old question. So uh, go down whichever sort of path you would like with it. But why why is decarbonising transport such a key focus at the moment? Well, I think. Um, I mean, transport is is the largest contributing sector in terms of greenhouse gas emissions in the UK. So that's, I mean, that's key. And, mm-hmm. and surface transport contributed about 28% of our total emissions in 2018. Um, and perhaps almost uniquely in terms of sectors, those emissions have actually been rising over the last dec- decade. So they're, they're going in the wrong direction. Um, and, and when you look at us in the north, of that 28%, about a quarter of that comes from our region. And that makes us the region by by far having the highest contribution. So, you know, alongside the declaration of climate emergencies that we're seeing across, across the UK by many authorities, um, I think it all adds up to a pretty clear indication of the need for urgent action to decarbonise transport. And when it comes to putting 
targets on reducing carbon emissions from the transport sector. Tell me a bit about um, the the government targets, but also touch on, if you can, some of the uh, more local targets, because I know that different local transport authorities um, are are focusing on this as well and actually setting their own more, more local targets, aren't they? Yeah, so at a sort of a governmental level, um, the government's committed to achieving a net zero economy-wide target um, by 2050. It hasn't actually split that down by sector, um, although I think it's pretty clear that to reach net zero on an economy-wide basis, um, emissions from surface transport, so not not aviation, but surface transport, will need to be absolute zero. Um, I think some other sort of targets that um, or aspir- and aspirations around transport that the government have announced would be the phasing out of uh, sales of petrol, diesel and hybrid vehicles. So currently that's by 2040. Um, but it looks very likely that the government will bring that forward to at least 2035 and maybe earlier. Um, they've uh, talked about the decarbonisation of our rail system by 2040. Um, and away from transport, but I think still important, in the transport field in a way and and important to the north an aspiration for the decarbonization of our energy sector our energy grid by 2040 mm-hmm. uh, and that's mainly through offshore wind and then i think there's this, this separate more sort of regional specific things around uh the government signposting the tees valley as a location of a national hydrogen hub it's an important one um and i think locally uh we, we we actually see uh, the North's leaders and the North and the communities in the North generally having a, an, an ambition which exceeds the national ambition when it comes to decarbonisation. Uh, and we see several local authorities um, having declared climate emergencies and set um, zero emission or net zero uh, or close to zero emission targets um, ranging from to 2030 to, to 2050 so um but those tend to be whole economy-wide targets as well mm-hmm. you touched on um uh, fossil fuel cars there and um, i saw in the news this morning that bentley has actually just announced that it will stop producing fossil fuel cars um in the next six years actually which is a really interesting target for them yeah, I haven't seen that actually, so I'm making a note. I'll, I will have a look. But I think, I mean, yeah, if if you're a, a car maker at the moment, this is this is the big thing. Um, it, it's going that way, and it's not just because of you know requirements around decarbonisation. The 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 drive experience in an electric vehicle is superior, um, and uh, you know it would be remiss of any car company to 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 not forgive the pun not plug into that so i think <laughs> i think i think we'll see over the next couple of years a really exponential curve in models coming to the market as well mm. yeah i think that's that's a really interesting area to uh, to keep an eye on as you say and of course the uh, charging infrastructure availability for that is going to be absolutely crucial and um, peter how does transport for the north fit in with these targets around reducing carbon emissions so obviously we've spoken about the national targets and some of the more um, local ambitions as well where does tfn fit fit in with those and how do we help meet those goals so i think we're, we're still sort of developing our, our position around how we fit in 
um, and that's a main focus of our, our decarbonisation strategy. Um, I think there are there will be a number of main areas. So I, we we're canvassing our partners to understand those activities that they feel TFN should prior, prioritise over the next two to three years, which will help them implement their own local decarbonisation policy um, and achieve their own targets. And these are the sort of things that are most effectively carried out at a regional level. Um, and there could be anything really from regional level research through to um, sort of regional led implementation of plans and, and plan making and so on. Um, we're developing carbon emissions modeling along with future scenario testing um, and really to quite a detailed level. And that's going to allow us to understand what we need to do as a region relevant to surface transport uh, to, to fulfill those commitments under the Paris Agreement. Um, and crucially, it's going to allow us to understand what level of strengthened commitment our partners need to make in terms of their policy, but also what support we we may need from national government. And, and that could take the form of strengthened policy or could be developed funding or powers. Um, and all that data we'll be able to give to our partners um, to, to start making their own place-based strategies. Um, we're developing a decarbonisation trajectory and that will allow us to benchmark the projects and programmes within our investment programme at any point in time over the next 30 years um, to understand their contribution towards our, our regional trajectory. Um, and even at a project level where TFN are the client, we'll be looking to ensure that carbon, and <coughs> by that I mean both the embodied and operational is, is accounted for in the appraisal and that we, we look to have carbon reduction targets for our supply chain. Mm -hmm. um, I think generally as well, I mean, as I said, a lot of our, our partners, uh, partner authorities, they are forging ahead in terms of their own trajectories and their own uh, measures and policies. Um, but there, there are those that, that, that aren't. Uh, and we really hope that our trajectory and our policy analysis um, can, can be really helpful guidance for them going forward as well. It's a really interesting um, issue to tackle. And you've, you've touched on it a couple of times talking about the the differences in um challenges and opportunities in different areas so uh, the um hydrogen focus of the the northeast in particular certain authorities that have really um taken this on on board and declared climate emergencies and are really ramping up their focus but also it's a question of the different um the different issues or specific um, transport networks in each area as well. And when again, we're coming back to things like electric vehicles, if there's heavy road use, but it's quite a rural area, then that infrastructure is going to be more of a challenge than in, for example, a city centre location. So again, I think this is one of the areas where Transport for the North, in its role in bringing together the 20 authorities across the region can really have a strong voice and a clear evidence and experience based uh, analysis. You mentioned the TFN decarbonisation strategy. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about that and how perhaps that does do that, play that part of bringing together um, the varied experience, challenges and opportunities? And also, again, how that fits into the, the, the national efforts around decarbonisation? Sure. So uh, I think one of the main things we want to do in that strategy 
is, as, as I said before, we're, we're canvassing our partners to try and understand what what particular activities they would like us to prioritise over the next two or three years. And I'd envisage that being, you know, it could be quite a wide range of things, but there'll certainly be um, some research and some plan making, uh, things done which are best done at that, that regional level. So uh, you, you refer to EVs there. Um, Electric, well, vehicles by their nature, they, they cross boundaries um, and therefore um, making sure that the interplay between different um, authority areas in terms of um, EV infrastructure and the interoperability in terms of both the physical infrastructure, but perhaps more importantly, the data and the charging uh, will be really important. Um, so, um, yeah, there could well be a role to play at a regional level in in making a plan uh, that ensures that sort of consistency and that the coverage is is, is what is needed. But it's also about um, bringing together different types of parties. So, you know, how, how are we looking at um, dovetailing our electric vehicle charging infrastructure with hydrogen re refueling? Both will play a part. So we need to bring together industry partners from the gas networks and um, you know, people who are going to be making the hydrogen gas, we need to understand where that's going to be, and and then they we we can help them understand where where those points need to be in terms of, um, for instance, uh, how they might dovetail with spatial planning at a local authority level, um, and uh, I'm just pulling out urban consolidation centres there, for example. So. Um, Bringing together all those different parties and those different things is 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 a role we feel that we can really valuably play as a facilitator, um, and and the strategy won't. We're looking to to publish a strategy early next year. Um, we won't have the answers by then. But what we want to do is set out set out a roadmap for the activities mm -hmm. we we're proposing to undertake. Um, but at a national level, um, we've, we've submitted a response to, to government setting the challenge policy paper on transport decarbonisation. We, we participated in the stakeholder work, workshops over the summer. Um, we have a decarbonisation sort of working group with the other subnational transport bodies to ensure that there's some element of coordination of message there back to DFT. Um, and uh, I've talked about our, our own strategy and, and within that we'll, we'll uh, and using our carbon modelling, we'll be able to understand a little bit more about the what we feel is the government support that, that's required to, to achieve, you know, our local trajectories. Um, so uh, I think the strategy will have a, sort of a key role to play in that. I think the thing that I'm taking home from from that, Peter, the, some of the examples and the things that you touched on there is that collaboration is absolutely key to all of this and partnership working and building that, um, that evidence base and, again, understanding particular opportunities and challenges and how they might vary um, within the transport sector and wider as well it is really crucial. I want to look a little bit now into... Um, travel behavior and come a bit more down to sort of um the user level you know day-to-day -day journeys so first of all um i want to think about the sort of first and last mile approach and this is something that we talk about quite a lot particularly when we look at the road network in the north because 
you can do your longer journeys, um, you know, via via train um, or, or, or via car or however you choose. But then it's still that first and last mile, those slightly shorter trips or the beginnings and ends of journeys. What can we do to enable greener travel in in that sort of um, that sort of area? Well, I think the policies that tackle that first and last mile journey, I mean, they tend to be the focus of local authorities, um, but there's lots we can do to help them develop those policies. Um, so we've talked about our modelling. So our modelling sits within an analytical framework, and that allows us to look at emissions at a more disaggregate level. Um, effectively, it's giving an evidence base by our partners to try and understand what mix of measures should go where. Um, and and uh, modal shift for last mile journeys um, is is all part of that that mix and our our work on our pathways helps our partners to understand that the level of change and the strength of that policy commitment and then we can also help with research projects so for example one of our projects that we're contributing to um, is is looking at what a, a zero carbon urban freight system could look like and testing that with industry stakeholders and that's effective effectively talking about the last mile of the, the freight journey, the delivery journey. Um, through our role in, in the Rail North partnership, uh, we need to keep looking at how we can enhance the intermodal hub facilities, so things like EVs, car clubs and cycling. Um, and I think we can also help our partners bid for funding and, and champion our region for future innovation trials around things like e-scooters and, and e-bikes, which you know we, we've talked about place-based approaches and I think one of the I mean every region in the UK will have rural areas but I think for particularly in the north we have very challenging topography as well um, and those last mile journeys from your rural train station to your home um, it, it, it may just not be practical that that's going to be by uh, classic active travel of cycling or walking and so um, we, we do need to look at um, what are the alternatives to that um, and so things around e-scooters, e-bikes uh, and championing those um, is likely to be quite valuable, I think. Absolutely. And again, yet another example of different things um, being trialled or being particular focused in, in different areas. And again, the northeast in particular, um, running those um, e-scooter trials, which is a, a, a really interesting uh, project. Uh, let's carry on then thinking about travel behavior um, and I'm going to mention the C word now. COVID-19 has obviously had a big impact on the way that we work and travel. Much more widespread working from home now, which on the whole means fewer journeys um, in, in total but also is, seems to be potentially reducing public transport journeys quite significantly. Um, and I, I guess there's a risk there that, you know, how do we get people back onto the, the trains and the buses and the, and the trams when they've become so used to just having to, to jump in the car for things? And just give us your thoughts on the impact um, of the pandemic and what you think the positive long-term effects could be in terms of decarbonising uh, transport? Well, I, th I think we need to be very careful about sort of claiming a win for climate change uh, in terms of change travel patterns as a result of the pandemic. I mean, we're, we're seeing private car usage at the same or exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and as you point out, extremely low usage of public transport and, and a 
you know, subsequent strain on their their viability, which, you know, could become ex- existential. I like that word. Um, ne- you know, in in next year. Um, so, uh, yes, there are some positive points to draw on. Domestic and international aviation is down. Uh, I think many people have realised the benefits of, of staycations and the amazing sort of recreational attributes that the UK and the North has to offer. But I think um, arguably, uh, I think COVID has taken the world's attention away from decarbonisation and w- what we have to do. Uh, I think uh, home working can, can be seen as a po- positive, but a, but a couple of things on that. Uh, a third of private car vehicle mileage comes from just 3% of trips. And those are the trips over 50 miles. And and those are the ones associated with recreation, which is still happening. So working from home won't change that. Um, also, the jury's still out on the actual carbon savings associated with working from home. Um, during a typical day, we, you know, uh, we, we, I think we see car users now tending to make more trips associated with, with retail and leisure. Um, and, and of course, we, we're starting to shift the, um, the burden onto another sector as we go into the winter. A hundred people lighting and heating their individual homes is, is a lot less efficient than lighting and heating one office block. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we need to focus on how we decarbonize people's lifestyles, not just their commutes. Um, and I think that means we still face challenges around encouraging that modal shift for those retail and leisure journeys, and also in convincing people to go to, to EVs um another I, I, another positive point i draw out is is around localization so we're seeing people make much more use of their local centers than they used to and we, we really need to encourage planning and transport policy policies that sort of maintain that momentum um because it's, it's always going to be easier to affect modal shift for shorter local journeys compared to those where people are traveling longer and often often less safe journeys into town centres and, and out-of-town retail parks. So the challenge for me is, is the same, albeit coming from a completely different angle. And I think what COVID-19 has shown us is that with strong policy leadership and strong community will, we are able to make those really deep changes to our travel habits over a, over a shorter amount of time. So, um, yeah, that's if you are going to draw a positive from a pandemic, I think that would have to be it. Some really interesting points there, Peter, and it wasn't until you mentioned it in um, another conversation a couple of weeks ago, actually, that I hadn't um, really thought about the the carbon impact of working from home in terms of all of us now lighting and heating ourselves individually rather than than en masse. And, and, you know, that was one of the things that had just never occurred to me. And I'm, uh, you know... I'm a bit of a, a, a stickler at the moment, trying not to put the heating on uh, too early because, you know, absolutely, I don't need to heat the the whole house. I only really need to heat one, 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 not, not even a room, just myself. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, get, getting the blankets out and the hot water bottles before I put the central heating on that for sure. Um, have you got any top tips, Peter, in terms of, um, you know, those kind of small adjustments that we can do to our own lifestyles and ways of travelling? to to help support this decarbonisation agenda well i think i mean i think from working from home you've you've said one there layer up um you know working from home gives us more time to walk or cycle our kids into school um okay coronavirus is making that tricky in various ways but you know it won't be around forever um 
I think start start researching EV car models. Um, I think there's a website, what's your next green car or, or something similar to that. Um, look at what's coming into the market and understand what that means around um, higher purchase deals and things like that, because you can start seeing the operational efficiencies or the cost savings immediately if you do it that way. Um, uh, I think uh, walk to your local centre, support your local centre and make sure you're walking or cycling to it. Only boil a kettle um, with the water that you need in it. Um, perhaps something that's slightly different, um, uh, only email when you need to. So here's, here's an interesting fact that a, a short email from a laptop to another laptop uses 0.3 grams of CO2 equivalent. A long email that takes you about 10 minutes to write uses 17 grams of CO2 equivalent. And an email that takes you 10 minutes to write sent to an organization the size of TFN, 99% of whom take a few seconds to realize they shouldn't have opened it and should have just ignored it, ignored it <laughs> uses 26 grams of CO2 equivalent. So it, it's really important to understand everything we're doing has a CO2 footprint. Um, and it, so the credit for that, by the way, should go to Mike Berners-Lee, who's, who's uh, uh, published a book called How, How Bad Are Bananas? And I'd urge everyone to, to get it and read it because it's a fascinating read. Um, but it but it's it's about being more aware about what, mm -hmm. you know, every aspect of our lives and the things that the small things that we can do. And, and bananas, by the way, are pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, there are there are a couple of other things. I mean, eat less meat. Um, I only eat meat once a week. Uh, I rarely mm -hmm. eat beef or lamb. I don't miss it. Um, and and begrudgingly my family have accepted that we're only going to do one flight per year for recreation mm -hmm. now as well so these i mean everyone will have different requirements and different aspirations but we can all make these small small changes in our lives and i think that that's the key isn't it again it's about what you can do in your day-to-day -day life that makes a little bit of a difference here and there but if we're all doing those bits and bobs that we can do and we're doing them day in day out they do add up and you know there are always things that whatever our lifestyles whatever our um travel patterns are that we can do these things that that fact about emails peter has absolutely blown my mind um i'm not sure i like your suggestion that people are just deleting my emails as soon as they um land in the inbox but hey if it's helping the planet then um you know delete away but that's really interesting and i'm definitely going to use that as a as a reason to um yeah maybe turn my emails off every now and then and, and not necessarily respond to to every single one that comes through um and what was that what was that book how bad are bananas yes that's why okay right. and i think that's on everybody's christmas list from now then yeah, it's 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 a great book, and and you're right. The key is, uh, I think it's too easy to just say, well, it's just a small change. It's just me. It's not really going to make a difference. But yeah, those small changes add up. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. Um, really interesting conversations there. Um, some really useful insights into the um, the efforts that Transport for the North and authorities and government are making to, uh, to decarbonise transport and the wider economy. So um, we'll have you back on um, early next year then, Peter, and you can update us on the work on the decarbonisation strategy. We can also then perhaps have a think about or have a look at 
how that slightly longer term impact in terms of travel behaviours out of the pandemic have, have kind of come into play. We're obviously, you know, quite a few months into into the pandemic now. And if we um, can get you back on in next spring and do a, a look back at, at, at the, um, the the year of a pandemic, that could be uh, quite interesting, I think. So, uh, yeah, thanks ever so much for joining us, Peter. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Gemma. Look forward to it. Thanks. Great to hear from Peter there, like I say, with loads of information on TFN's recent work on decarbonisation. We will keep you up to date as that work develops. The strategy is set to be published at spring 2021. So for those of you who like to stay right up to date, um, it's always worth signing up to our All Points North newsletter by the box on the website. Don't forget you can watch our uh, board meetings live as well, all the public uh, items in board meetings are streamed from our website so if you head to the meetings page on our website you can uh, check the dates for those there there will be one mid-January and then mid-March I think off the, off the dates off the top of my head but all the infos on the website and absolutely the, you know, the decarb strategy as it develops will be will be discussed in board as well so that's a really good opportunity to find out firsthand how that's developing and what members are saying about it. Um, I think that's it for this week, uh, Stephen, on decarb. Is there anything else that you uh, you wanted to flag before we wrap up? What's your uh, Do you have any sort of top tips or personal insight into reducing <laughs> carbon emissions for us? Uh, no, no, I would, I would definitely take Peter's lead over that over mine. He's the expert <laughs> with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would stick. I would stick with Peter's recommendations if I'm honest with you. But uh, no, I just think it's just it's every 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 little bit helps, doesn't it? And I think mm -hmm. from it, obviously from a work perspective from Transport for the North, you know, we've got a little bit more work to do uh, than perhaps others. Um, mm. But uh, but no, it's 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 going to be a, a challenge, and we'll just make, we're all mm. up to it. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've got the um, internally, we've got a climate change uh, subcommittee um, and they've recently been asking uh, colleagues, you know, about what they're doing to, to reduce their, their carbon emissions, what they think about what TFN is doing, any ideas and experiences and top tips. So uh, it's really interesting and yeah, super important throughout sort of every every area of the uh, organisation. Yeah. Okay, so we're done with our uh, decarb chat. I'm just going to wrap up with uh, an event plug. Very excitingly and uh, a little bit later than originally planned because of the lovely COVID and what it's done to all our events this year. Um, Transport for the North's annual conference is taking place. Um, it's our Christmas treat to you. Monday the 14th of December um, it's 10 a.m till 2 p.m it's absolutely free to attend it's all online and very pleased to let you know that Greater Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham is opening the show he's our keynote speaker head over to our website if you go to transportforthenorth.com navigate your way through to the um i think it's called the calendar section um at the top and you'll find a page all about our annual conference the link to get your ticket is on there like i say it's absolutely free to attend so please do register we'll have more details um over the coming days and weeks with more speakers announced and some more information about the different sessions we'll be talking a lot about economic recovery leveling up building back better i think that's the that's the overall theme for for the day but there will be some specific discussions on different 
programmes or different areas or different um, sort of transport modes and, and, and latest sort of news and insights and, and exciting things as well. So, um, yeah, head over to the website to get your ticket and make sure you're following us on social media where we'll be announcing the latest speakers and all the topics as well. So you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram just by searching Transport for the North. Oh, that's everything. Um, keep in touch as well by signing up to All Points North via the uh, email box at the bottom of our homepage on the website. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so you get a notification every time we publish a new episode. And we will look forward to chatting to you next time. Thanks again, Stephen. I'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.